so exciting. This is part two of the Lohan trilogy series on the pod. Her original Disney contract with three films. We already covered The Parent Trap with Cassidy Williams. And today we're covering Get a Clue with the one and only Gwen. And the one and only song, which we will not sing right now because we sing it about 500 million times during this film. What an iconic song. Um, So much to say about this, so much about the fashion. It was so fun listening back to this. We have a little tag at the end, so definitely listen to the very end of the episode to hear us uh, wax poetic about a very important American crime story, as far as I'm concerned. Do you want to give a little sneak peek, Sarah? I mean, should we? I I feel like all we can say is go out there and fish the fish and cull the deer. Um, I like it, it really speaks for itself. It's okay, fine. A little hint scholastic book fair, just the the empire, (laughs) the book fair, everything in between. It was, uh, it's truly a nail biter. And um, make sure you listen to the post post credits snippet that we have for you speaking of scholastic i recently just got back from vacation and i saw a movie and they had a cardboard cutout of the new clifford the big red dog movie and it looks like a horror film like the color of this dog is alarming i think they should have gone with like more of an orange or red like i understand they were trying to match the book but it's absolutely terrifying to see a blood red dog that gigantic i took a picture we'll see if it's flattering um i made my boyfriend take a picture of me in front of the cutout like looking like i was scared like oh no (laughs) because it looks like a horror film (laughs) we did watch that one and i i I think maybe it's not as alarming if you watch it because he starts out as a really really tiny puppy and so then by the time he gets big it's like okay um But it was kind of a cute film. It was kind of cute. I just feel like Clifford the Big Red Dog is a cartoon. So to think of it as a real dog, like in realistic terms, like King Kong is horrifying or like Godzilla-esque. I mean, our if if you follow me on socials, you might have seen that I have this like literal 90 pound golden retriever who is basically Clifford. I mean, he's huge. He knocks everything over. He likes to chew our slippers. He literally gave Sarah a concussion. I just, you know, we just, I have a zoo. They're all very big. Um, And I think Ayla really did like the fact that there was this depiction of this big unruly dog who just wanted to love you. Um, And it's made her love Jack a little bit more. So that's kind of nice. Did you watch Cruella? Yes. Those were some CGI dogs. They were. I've always wanted Dalmatians, but when we were watching it, Adrian was like, that is literally how Dalmatians are. Like they will just rip apart. All of your I'm like, no thanks. They spoiler alert, fast forward 15 seconds if you don't want to spoiler for Carilla, but they killed her mom. Allegedly. Wait, allegedly. No. Question? They no. did. They did. Yeah. They did. Carilla, Carilla slapped. I feel like yeah. yeah, it was good. I I liked it. Um, speaking of Lindsay Lohan, you know, we are going to be getting another film from her. I'm pretty excited about it. Did you hear oh. about this announcement? Did I? What is she going to be Yeah, it's a currently untitled Christmas romantic (laughs) comedy from Netflix. Yes, I saw the image of this 
it looks like a Hallmark movie that I will devour. I cannot wait. I can't wait to hear her talk about Mykonos and the holidays. <laughs> like I truly. I That's, wow. We, wait, do we get that this holiday season? No, no. It'll be it'll be releasing in 2022. How dare. Uh, I feel like we might have to do like a like a 21st century honorary yeah. pod episode on it because yeah, but they are starting to film this month. Wow. Wow. What do we do to deserve this? That's so exciting. And we still have to do a life size to complete this trifecta, so stay tuned for the third the third in the trilogy of the Lohan Disney contract. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Well, um, yeah, we hope you're enjoying uh, a holiday week if you're here in the States um, and getting ready for holidays and end of year celebrations um, in general. And enjoy this this episode of Salute Your Squirts. I'm thankful, God, for all this pod. Thank you, God, for all this pod. Amen. <laughs> Our favorite saying, our favorite saying. And and actually, Chloe, I'm thankful for you. And I am thankful for you. And I am thankful for this song. Get a clown. That's not the end you can do. All right. Enjoy, y'all. The friends are on the brain and my teacher had a meltdown. And it look at I truly have that song stuck in my head every single day for the last when did this movie come out? Let's see. Oh my goodness, like 2002. Two, uh, I was gonna say because three. Yeah. This was played as propaganda on the Disney Channel because there yep. were no commercials on the Disney Channel, and this music video has lived in my head rent free since how many years is that since 2002 so like almost a long almost time. 20 years <laughs> um okay i think before we get into this we need to introduce the person who brought this beloved film that in my head had had been an amalgamation of several different Lindsay lohan films but we will get back to that in a sec gwen welcome to the show welcome to salute your squirts <laughs> Hi everyone. Thank you so much for suggesting this film because it was one that I needed to re-watch. Um and yeah, I I think I forgot how much get a clue the song was stuck in my head my whole life. So this was this was great to remember. When you think about it, get a clue and, and we'll get about okay, let's talk about the this song. The song is yes. iconic. <laughs> it comes from a band originally called Prozac. Um, spelled P R O. Let's see, Z A double Z, isn't it? Double Z A K. Got a little answer. There is something going on now. The clothes I bought, the friends I got, my teacher had a meltdown. Then I look at me and I start to see, and a voice inside tells me what I must do. And they changed their name to Simon and Milo to like not have a drug reference with the Disney <laughs> brand. So it wasn't associated with drugs. But when you think about it, and for anybody who's not our age was watching Disney Channel at this time, they would play this music video 
every commercial break, truly. And it was animated. And the two people in it were these kind of like cartoonish characters. This was like in the age of flash player animation stuff. So like everything was animated. Very similar to the hamster dance music video, if, if anybody has watched that as many times as I have. And... What I can't help but think is they were the original gorillas, right? Because they were like an animated <laughs> thing. Gorillas is definitely older, though. Yeah, gorillas is definitely older. Is it though? Because I remember we listened it has to gorillas to be. in high school. Yeah, 98, 98. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it was the inspo for maybe the two people in Prozac are like not Disney safe people. I bet I bet the um like music video for Get a Clue was inspired by by gorillas. Because that maybe was around the time. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they're like a it's just like their side project. That's true. Like Disney friendly Disney friendly music. Yeah. So I had a lot of memories about this film. But Gwen, why did you choose it? Yeah. I was gonna say I wanna know the inspo. So I didn't know either. It was, it's just like a film that lives in my mind for some reason. And I watched it again to be prepped for this this episode, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, duh, it's because of all the tech. Well, quote tech, you know, because it's all fake and all the gadgets <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> but that's definitely, I, you know, when I was a kid, I was like obsessed with all those kind of things. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Obviously, looking back at it, it's like, oh, this is so corny. But it's probably because of that. And that just it just always was, I don't know. There was something about, like, you know, they're in the city. Yeah. Uh, and then I've recently moved to the city. And I don't know. There was just, like, something there, some sort of connection that lives, uh, you know, like, what, like 20 years now in my life? Um, I remember some very specific things from this film. I was also laughing out loud about all of the tech stuff because we actually just watched Johnny Tsunami Gwen and we were just amazed by the UI and technology of the uh, school website that the software engineer dad was working on on his giant computer. Well, so that's that's the thing, right, though, is like all of these early 2000s movies, I feel like had a bunch of tech, but it was it it was like with a lot of the side characters and it kind of brought into the main part of the of the of the narrative but also was actually pretty realistic for the time. Like I forgot that the younger sister was like this spy, you know, or interested in spy stuff, but like the tech they were using was kind of realistic. I mean, it was fake, but like, it wasn't that fake, right? It wasn't like they were like, oh, zoom in, enhance 500 million times, right? It it was just like, yeah, this is going to record something cool. And that's something that I don't know if I've mentioned on this show, but I've definitely mentioned in like talks and on other shows that when I watched Xenon, which was around this time, and they video chatted, I was like, oh <laughs> my god, that is, I was like, if I could just wake up and video chat my friends, that would be the dream. Careful what you wish for, because that's literally what I do all day for <laughs> my job now, um, and I hate doing it. I, any chance that I have to not put on makeup, I will take it. Um, but Sarah, what did you remember about this? Because I have very specific things, and I'm curious if it was the same as yours. <laughs> Um, definitely, like, I just remember thinking that Lindsay Lohan and Brenda Song were, like, fashion icons. Um, (laughs) The amount of times I wrote in my notes, the fashion. Yeah. And I have more to say about fashion later. Um, and I just remembered, I just remembered that it was a, a good mystery. Like, it felt like a good mystery because the ending wasn't really what you would expect, um, and so I just, like, I remembered that it was not just 
like a movie for kids. It was like a movie for like the tween or like the young teen, you know, and that held up. I remember very specific things from this film. I remember the fashion, which honestly, like my expectations were already like very high, like the fashion is going to slay me. I felt like I was transported to a limited two in this entire movie. Like I owned, I took notes on all of the pieces that I owned. I owned a lot of the binders that they had. I literally like decorated my locker exactly how they did. Truly fashion icons in this film. But the one vivid memory that I had from this was I didn't remember that she was a journalist like at the beginning, anything like that. Also like honestly office goals for these like children at a private school working in journalism. But truly the thing that I remembered, I was like a very specific vision of an old woman with, with a brooch. And I think I learned what the bee's knees was from this. Like that was my only memory from this film. And uh, honestly, some iconic performances from some, Disney regulars, Brenda Song, uh, that guy from The Nanny, who's in everything. Like, yeah. what was it? He's in some vampire movie about something. He literally was in every Disney Channel original movie around this time. Yeah. He was like white man, <laughs> older white dad man. Yeah. He was a stepdad a lot, I feel like, in these films. Um, and I also just remember the song. The song has not left me and had an impression. I think that truly was just like an earworm that they were torturing with us, like truly every hour on the hour on the Disney Channel. <laughs> you know, Gwen, you you mentioned kind of the tech and that was part of why you wanted to choose it and because and you just moved to the city. But we actually didn't even give you a chance to like introduce who you are. Yes. Would you like to tell <laughs> these pod listeners like who you are, what you're up to and you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, so my name, my name is Gwen. I'm a friend of the show, friend of Sarah and, and, and Chloe individually. Yep. Uh, we also work together, sort of. Um, I'm a, a cloud advocate at, at Microsoft three months now, which I think is insane. <laughs> um, more about me. I have a YouTube channel. Oh, you know what? That brings me into, you know, that kid who like always is like has the video yes, camera. Yes. He, he like stuck out to me a lot. Yeah. He's uh, like, you know, early, you know, early. When did YouTube become a thing? Like it was like early 2005. But I feel like people weren't really on it until maybe 2000 yeah like 2007 because I remember in high school we watched Trapped in the Closet on YouTube and that was a really big deal (laughs) because it wasn't blocked on our internet and he was like the first instance of a like what we know now like vlogger yeah right because he just had his camera all around around school right so I remember that him he stuck out a lot oh but anyway yeah I have a YouTube channel um recently moved to the city I like a lot of tech stuff um, yeah playing video games uh, you need to follow gwen on the youtubes truly some good content you may even see me on there we we stream together so we're gonna have a we're gonna have a what is it called oh gosh i just blanked a A collab collab. hey girl dm me for a collab that's what all my instagram comments say (laughs) (laughs) you know my boyfriend loves to point out that literally my my job is to collab with people and he's like the irony that you get annoyed by these instagram people um oh gosh i'm so excited to dive into this show because i have so many things to say this is just like the first sentence on on wikipedia but i think it 
it sums it up well. So Get a Clue is a 2002 Disney Channel original movie starring Lindsay Lohan as Lexi Gold, a teenage high school student who investigates a mystery after one of her teachers goes missing. That was not the right music. I was going for for like the the (laughs) sci-fi. I think I should do a cover of it for our Instagram. Um, I'll be your backup, like, hype woman. I'd be like, (laughs) you just have to be a a cartoon with the guitar, like, get out for people who can't see us because podcasts are famously a visual medium. I am strumming an air guitar right now. (laughs) Uh, Did you, I did not, uh, I'm usually really, really good at recognizing people and knowing what previous work they've done. I had to Google this. Did you recognize the, uh, the main kind of male protagonist in this? The yes. Okay. Cause uh, did you Gwen? No. I was like, this looks like a child actor to me. First I was like, this is John Krasinski. If he were a child actor. (laughs) Yeah, that was my first thought. And then I was like, no, no, this is Alfalfa. Because let me tell you, The Little Rascals was my favorite film as a child. And we were that age when Little Rascals like came out. So I remember being like, probably the same way that people in the 70s felt about Annie when it came out, where they're like, I am the age of Annie. I'm going to go to every Annie audition. I am Annie. And I was the same way about the Little Rascals. I was like, where was my call for an audition? I don't have an agent, but someone should have called me. Like, I should be in this film. I'm a child. I love the Little Rascals. Um, But yes, Alfalfa from the Little Rascals remake. The 1994 film, yes. That would be really cool if he was in the original Little Rascals, like really good skincare routine. (laughs) Um, So there's that. And of course, the iconic Brenda song. I mean, like such a a star-studded cast for that time. Okay, so I have a little bit of trivia from the show. So this is the last film that Lindsay Lohan stars in under her original Disney contract that required her to do three movies, the other two being The Parent Trap and Life Size. Life Size. Another iconic Lindsay Lohan film, which I have a lot of thoughts on. No spoilers for when we do that episode, but as someone with a dead mom, I've thought this through a bunch of times. You know how, like, in Life Size, she brushes the hair of the doll, and that is why she can't get the DNA from her mom's hairbrush? I was like... She didn't clean the hairbrush of the hair. And also I would hate that woman because if my mom could – like I was like, oh, the experiment worked God. and she actually came back to life. I have a lot of thoughts. But it's, that's, not, that's not this episode. That's not this episode. <laughs> um, and of course, this was filmed in Toronto, Canada, uh, with some of the exterior scenes filmed on location in Manhattan. But we need to talk about Brooklyn for a second in this film because that was no Brooklyn that I know. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> And the way that she was like, you're a poor, I mean, she didn't say that, but she's like, <laughs> I was like, this house easily is a $3 million home. Like, yeah. how dare you? <laughs> oh my gosh. To be a poor Brooklyn kid in that movie, I would, I would have given anything. Yeah. yeah. And then also a really interesting thing um, that I saw on uh, Wikipedia, it says this ending, uh, there was an an alternate ending to this. Um, so a, a very well-concealed reshoot took place in late 2001 um, to film a different ending that concluded in the villain of the film being Mimi. And in the original ending, the villain turned out to be Mrs. Stern and a teacher at Lexi's school who had known Mr. Walker while he was living in Arizona. So 
it says that the ending was shown on the DVD. Um, you have the option to watch it with either ending when the movie reaches 61 minutes, with Mrs. Stern ending oh. shown in a different aspect ratio than the rest of the movie. So that's why, well, we're going to get to it, but that's why, like, towards the end, when they're all in the hotel, like, it could be anyone at that point. Because, like, mm-hmm. every single character comes in and you're like, wait, what is happening? That is so cool. On the last episode, um, which may be out of order for the release of these pods, but we were chatting about some of the um, Goosebumps, like, choose your own ending books where you got to like, did you ever read those, Gwen, where you like got to the end of the page and then it was like, go into the attic, go to page 55 to go into the basement. And I feel like I just, there was a Netflix show where they did that, where they did like a choose your ending. That was two years ago, right? What was that called? Yeah. Neil Patrick Harris's autobiography, I think, is written that way. Or a book that Neil Patrick Harris came out with recently. Um, really? You get to like, oh yeah, because he's really into magic. Like he's yes. like part of Magic Castle and a magician. I'm pretty sure that his like book is that way. So I'll have to check that out. I don't know how you would read it on Audible. <laughs> I mean, my favorite thing ever is like choose your own ending. And I think that's why I actually really like teaching tech. As corny as it sounds, I'm not trying to like be some inspirational speaker right now, but it's because the way that I teach is very much like guide on the side because my job is not to get you to do the thing I just told you how to do. My job is to help you with develop the tools and skills to do whatever you want to do. And I think that's what's like my favorite thing is like sitting in a classroom with like kids who want to build some kind of app to help them. And then I'm like, oh, what are you going to do next? Like, I don't know. I'm just... Well, that's the interesting thing about this film is I never was, like, a Scooby-Doo fan. I don't know why. It just, like, it's an iconic, like, visual film. Or not film. <laughs> not the film. Le- Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, we love you. But, like, I don't know where we're on the show. Um, but I feel like the part that I liked about Scooby-Doo as a cartoon is you were solving a mystery throughout it. And this felt very, like, Scooby-Doo-esque. But with all of the fashion and tech that Scooby-Doo lacked, if that makes sense. And that's pretty – there was a lot of, like, info online about this film. Like, I feel like it was, you know, a, a classic film of that time. And there's, Underrated. There's... Yeah, I agree. Did anybody notice that Lindsay Lohan's voice – and I'll, we'll have to revisit this in The Parent Trap – was very raspy? Like, was she vaping? Like, what was – I mean, vapes weren't around then, but she had a very kind of smoker's voice. Maybe she was trying to be, like, more mature or something. Maybe. Play it off. Yeah. She's always had a pretty raspy voice, though, I think. I want to do a supercut of, like, that new meme of her and Mykonos, where it's like, yeah. what's up, Mykonos? And then, like, supercut it with all of these films <laughs> where she's a child. Are you ready to see my new show? Coming only to MTV. I've got a sneak peek just for you. Now, I want to do things differently. I want to be my own boss. So I opened Lohan Beach Club Mykonos. Are you ready? News of Mr. Walker's bizarre disappearance spread faster than word of a Barney's warehouse sale. All I know is, if he set foot into that toxic river, he's going to need a serious head-to-toe hydroexfoliation body wrap. I think it's important to talk about Lindsay Lohan before we get into this movie, because the journey of Lindsay Lohan's been very interesting, and I do not think we're anywhere near the end of it. But this was a person who was everywhere like confessions of a teenage drama queen at that time uh i mean parent trap i don't know but for for me it was just such an iconic film definitely yes you know like she was literally everywhere and then she became part of that kind of 
squad of Paris Hilton. There's that famous meme of her and Britney Spears and, and all these folks. Now she she had a reality show for a hot second where she was like running a club in Mykonos. That on she did- I mean, she had a couple singles too. Don't forget her singing career. I'm sick of rumors started. I'm sick of being followed. It is an iconic <laughs> Like, she had some bops out there. Mm -hmm. And I really think that she was positioned to be, well, I guess there's not really an example, right? Because most of these people fall from grace eventually or have some sort of drug issue. Like, you know, we've seen Demi Lovato kind of come out on the other side of that. But, like, a lot of Disney stars around this time, Annalise Vanderpool, like, had a DUI. They were – it was a lot of kids. If if anybody's watched Honey Boy who's listening, it was a lot of kids who were given a lot of money very young and they – you know, Chrissy Carlson Romano has been doing a bunch of videos. I was just going to say, I've been watching all of her videos and I think it's not just like the money, but it's also kind of this idea of, and I, I saw this on Chrissy Carlson Romano's um, YouTube videos, but I've, I've heard a lot of parents with young children talk about it too. It's just kind of like all of a sudden the whole family gets involved in the business and, you know, not everyone has the best family and, and not even necessarily saying their family is like evil or bad, but, but, you know, they may not be prepared to handle that kind of thing. And, and, you know, I, I just think we see it with Amanda Bynes, like all of these young girls. It's so interesting to see these like 30 year old women who are 30 now who went through this because now all of a sudden they can kind of speak up and they can, you know, speak about it in more safe spaces and like more publicly. And I, I mean, this has been going on forever. And what in, was that in video Spain. from, was it Alison smart? What is her name? Stoner. The, Alison Stoner. Alison Stoner. Yep. Stoner smart. Same thing. <laughs> but very like, so if anybody's not watching these videos, I highly recommend going and watching them. But um, Alison Stoner, who you probably remember from Camp Rock, she was the dancing girl in the Missy Elliott video. She was very much on our screen 24-7. Cheaper by the dozen. Oh, like, right. Sarah, explain this video for people who haven't seen it. It's it's a lot. It's just a quick trigger warning. It's a lot of trauma, a lot of – so maybe skip ahead maybe two minutes if you don't want to listen to this. But, you know, these kids were going through some mental and emotional abuse. And I think I can maybe speak to that a little bit from the actor side, but explain it for us, Sarah. I mean, basically, one of the things that Allison Stoner was talking about was, like, like you're going through – like puberty in front of the world, first of all, um, that's awkward. And, and with women, like your body changes and like, you know, things are changing and people are starting to, um, sexualize you. People are starting to, um, compare you with other young girls or girls who are younger than you or girls who are older than you. And and the girls that are younger than you are not going to be as developed as you. And so then you think, oh, I need to be thinner. Like, and I'm not going to put all of this into like the words that she said, because I've watched just so many videos of all of these different, um, you know, former child stars talking about it. So I, I don't know which one's coming from which, but like, just kind of everything in the public view and you not really having an understanding of what is natural, what is real, what is you versus what people are telling you to be. And, and all of your self-worth is in whether you're chosen for this one thing or, you know, whatever it is. And it's just, it's so incredibly sad. It's just so sad. She tells these stories, which honestly, until she 
put out this video I had never thought about. So for anybody who doesn't know, I was also a child actor. I was, of course, wasn't doing film, but I had parents in the industry and truly was thinking about this recently. I wanted a stage mom. Like <laughs> I wanted my parents to like drive me to my auditions and like be like, dance for grandma. Um, but my parents coming from the industry were like, oh, okay. I mean, like, sure. Like, so I did a couple shows in my dad's theater, but I really wanted to do musicals. And I truly was like, I wish that I, I was the, I was the kid going through the internet and the newsletters and being like, take me to this audition. Like no one forced me to do it. It was me genuinely wanting to do it, which I think is such a stark contrast to a lot of these, you know, kids like Alison Stoner who didn't want to be doing it. But she tells this story that when she put it into words, I realized, huh, I never thought that was kind of effed up. So she talks about going to an audition. And if you've never been to an audition before, typically they they give you sides, which is, you know, a piece of paper that has some lines that you read on it. Usually you learn them there versus sometimes you learn them ahead of time, but typically they just give them to you on site. And she tells the story about like having to be in a scene where she was, you know, being chased and was being kidnapped and had to access or ask, what is what am I trying to say? access all these emotions that like she was, you know, a, a kid, which sounds like she was from a pretty well off, not well off, but like, you know, middle class privileged family. And, you know, it's not often that we get kidnapped or have to live that unless we've been kidnapped. And that's something I've realized now that I'm removed from theater is, you know, I've been in scenes where I've had to cry and bawl my eyes out because my dad is dead. Now my dad is alive. So I access other things for my, you know, maybe my mom or other things. But I think that there's a lot to be said for putting kids through simulated traumatic experiences. And you sometimes you don't even get the part. Like, I don't even think she got that part. So, like, you're doing this two, three, four times a day if, you're, if your parents are in L.A. and hustling you out there. So, like, shout out to these child actors. Like, even the ones who've, you know, maybe fallen from grace a little bit. Like, shout out to Amanda Bynes. Like, you made some of the best content out there. And, and we just it's don't just know. So sad. We, don't we just know. don't know what they well, with were Brittany, dealing we know, with. What, but free Britney. I mean, but, still, I still don't know. Yeah. Like, I, it's yeah. just you know, and and watching just. I have a three year old, and and part of some segments on this pod is my my parents, where I go on rants about being a parent. But like, watching how like my child is developing, and how like I can't even watch shows where kid where parents like prank their kids and like you know tease them by like scaring them I'm like no I could never because why would I ever want my child yeah we do scary things she loves watching like you know age appropriate scary movies and like she 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 plays Minecraft a ton and like you know we talk about like oh well your hamsters really only have one heart because they're not in Minecraft they're in the real life so we can't you know hurt them and <laughs> they're not gonna come back like your bunny in Minecraft you know she's not a she's not a psychopath I swear um, but but you know like like she's not completely sheltered but at the same time I I would never want to put her in a situation where when she says I am no longer comfortable with this I I would say. Or someone else would say, you still have to do it anyways. Like, And that's the best part of this, right, is the parents get very greedy and they're like, ooh, a two million. I think there's an article that keeps popping up for me on my Google News alerts that's like, Leonardo DiCaprio turned down Hocus Pocus because he was offered, quote, a life-changing amount of money that like no amount he's ever seen before. And I think about that because the parents, you know, these are under 18 
kids. These are minors. And they'll be like, ooh, yeah, probably not great for me, for my kid to get, like, raped on screen. But, like, oh, $3 million. Like, maybe we should audition for this. It's just kind of a really messed up, like, pouring out your kids kind of thing with these stage moms. So maybe I was, maybe, you know, I was grumpy at my parents for not driving me to as many auditions. But maybe it was all for the best at the end of the day. Yeah. (laughs) I did, like, a tiny bit. Like, I was, I was really into dance and gymnastics as a kid. I, I ended up like fracturing my lower back, so I couldn't do gymnastics anymore. And then we were going to stick with the dance, but then I just decided I wanted to be a doctor more because I wanted to get out of poverty more. And there was more of a chance of (laughs) getting out of poverty if I went to school there, Um, which was a literal conversation my mom and I had when I was um, nine years old. Um, But, but I did some auditions for like commercials and stuff. And, and even just that little bit was, was already like a little scary glimpse under the curtain. Like, yeah. I don't know. When have you ever had to do an audition as a child actor? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Like, not even as like in school or anything like that. I've never been, it's like never been my thing. It's so I've I like. But what about on like YouTube, like starting your YouTube channel? And I mean, you were an adult when you started, but like, you know, I, I feel like there is a lot of connection between being like a child actor and then being vulnerable on the internet too. I think what what the major difference is that I was sort of creating content around something that was knowledgeable. So I could always sort of use my expertise as like, all right, maybe I'm awkward in front of a camera, but at least I know what I'm talking about. Um, Whereas if you're a kid, you're sort of like, you know, you're like you mentioned, a lot of these scenarios are like you've never been through. So like, how do you prep or like respond to them, things like that. So yeah, but I I guess the, like the hard part is like the, you know, YouTube comments or social media comments, which we all know very well. And like people think like, just cause you put yourself out there, you're, you're allowed to be exposed to like anything cause you're asking for it. I guess that's the one thing that it's kind of hard to, to deal with, but I don't think that's at the level, like what these kids in front of like, you know, millions of people watching go through. That's what's kind of interesting about this, this generation of like, particularly women, like these 30 year old women who were child actors, because back when they were child actors, there wasn't the internet with comments, right? No. Like sometimes, <laughs> yeah, but like sometimes they would be on like a talk show and maybe, you know, someone would say something that was not super appropriate. And we, I've started to relook at those like older, older ones. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe they, they could just do that. But, but I feel like that was something that they weren't expecting. Like, like you, you, you were going to be an actor and then you go and do it, but then you get to go home. And then all of a sudden, you know, they hit their teens, their late teens, their early twenties, and everyone in the whole world is talking about them and talking about everything that they've done for the last 10 years and everything that they're doing right now. And it's like, there was no preparation for that. Right. Wait, and and I, that's such a great segue into this film because truly yeah. It starts out with a gossip column, which I was exactly. just going to say, like, Perez Hilton was our first taste of that before we had yeah. YouTube, before we had any of that. And Lindsay Lohan starts this film essentially breaking the scoop that her teachers are dating, which is like major Perez Hilton hot goss as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but before we before we jump into the actual, like, I'm sorry, but that the fuzzy computers, iconic, <laughs> iconic. They just had like fuzz all like they were furry. Like I just I want I want to put fur all over everything now. Like I'm just gonna buy some boas and like tape them to my 
And Gwen mentioned at the top of this, and I think it's also important to note that like Gwen, much like myself, came to computer science later. Like we're non-traditional background engineers. And Gwen, yeah. I'm the same way when I watch back these films. I was like, oh, I loved the technology, but no one was in my life or around me to say, hey, that's tech. Like you should get into tech. Like yeah. I loved Xenon, I, which was like probably a sign that if I had a parent around me, it would be like, oh, you'd like sci-fi then. You know, like I just didn't have that around me. So I guess my question for you, Gwen, is like, did you even have an inkling back then when you were watching these? Because I certainly didn't. Like, like even the green cell phone, she, or not the cell phone, sorry, the um, landline that she had, I had that phone. And I wanted all the latest gadgets and gizmos. I had the spy glasses, which were just flashlights from like the discoveries were that the sister wore. <laughs> I had all these things. So was that the same case for you, Gwen? Did you know at the time that you thought this was cool? Because I don't know if I did. Like I, I knew it was cool, but I didn't know I could do it. Yeah, I definitely sort of like living, I guess, vicariously through the through the film and then like what they were doing. Like I really liked like all those those things and even especially like the camera because there's some scenes yeah. where they're setting up like the spy cam that like they go to that store and they pick up that super sophisticated black camera and they set it up behind the plant to like spy into the and then they have like this massive remote control which is clearly not a control. They must have had really good bandwidth too. <laughs> like that was a very know, clear right? picture. <laughs> for that right. time <laughs> and it could zoom in and everything and stuff but i remember all those things oh this is so cool but it was never like oh how can i do more of this or how, where can i watch more of this or like where could i even look into this or anything like that did you guys buy a lot of spy toys because i feel like i wanted the i never had one but remember the not the yak back but the talk back thing that like macaulay culkin was always like girl talk i think it was called and like the voice changing things for the phone like i feel like every toy that i wanted was like a spy thing or i remember i bought on alvera street in la this very cheap, like $2 toy. Um, and it was a little earbud that you put in that amplified voice. But it, like, you couldn't spy on anybody with it. But to me, I was like, I'm going to listen to so many conversations. I'm like, who? My parents? Like, what is he going to do with this? But did you guys, like, find yourself gravitating to spy toys? Oh my gosh. I have this, I have this conspiracy theory. So, you know, remember the Scholastic Book Fairs? Yes. yes. Of course. We have so much to say about this. Weren't all the toys, like, spy-related? Yes. All the time? Why? But why, though? I feel like they were pushing okay, okay. something on us or something. No, they were. So a little bit of history into our pod in general was just, was just the fact that Chloe and I um, – we just like, you know, we were friends and we were just chatting and we were just talking about like all the things that we loved as children. And then we randomly started this like Google Photos album together because we started to notice that every single one of our pictures from when we were children, we had like a matching picture. Like we had the same shirt. We were doing like the same pose. We were like in the same location. And like, you know, like we never knew each other until we were adults. And um, so we were like, oh my God, we lived the same life. And then we would start talking about like, like, you know, shows and movies that we liked when we were kids. And like with, with Ayla watching things, I'd be like, oh my God, Chloe, like we're watching this today. And she's like, oh my God, memories. And then we started to realize when that every single show or movie had some, or like fiction had some kind of spy aspect to it. Like they wanted us to be. And it was the original name of the show. It was our we original concept. Be like, Child detective agency, like something like that, because we were going to, we were going to just point out. And then we realized like, okay, not every single one perfectly fits that mold, but still it was like, yes, they were 1000% training us to be spies. Like yeah, right? the classic book fair, Disney, Nickelodeon, all of them. 
But we got to circle back for a sec because finally we have the opportunity. Thank you, Gwen, for that wonderful segue. We were not planning on revealing this hot goss and tea on the pod, but here we are. Okay. So it's a Tuesday morning. I read this article and my suggested articles on Google. I immediately text Sarah because the scholastic Mm. fortune is at large. (laughs) It's almost like a get a clue situation because the man who is the CEO of Scholastic, recently perished RIP, and it was known that he was in a love affair. Oh my God, this is Get a Clue. This is Get a Clue 2, coming soon from my (laughs) Scholastic book. The sequel to Get a Clue. So the, the CEO of Scholastic dies. He is divorced from his wife, but recently, or was he still married to his wife? We will, we will check. Sarah, check this in the background. Yeah, I'm going to check. Yeah. Okay. So he kind of gets estranged from his wife, has an affair with this woman who works in Scholastic. She was like head of marketing or something like that. And recently had kind of rekindled his relationship with either his ex-wife or his wife who separated. They had two kids. We're like well into our age, like 30s, 40s maybe. And it turns out that he left the fortune not to his kids, but to this lover at Scholastic who had taken over a lot of his responsibilities as he was like, and and I think it was kind of like a fluke kind of situation. Like they weren't, he wasn't sick or anything like that. But here is the kicker in this interview, the son of this man. So he has two sons and the sons are trying to get their money that they feel is rightfully theirs. Or like, who is this lady? Who is this like woman who's having this affair with our father? And one of the brothers gives a quote that's like, it's really unfair. We want our money back. And then the other one lives in like, was it rural New York? Something of that. Um, and essentially is quoted in this article. He's a very much a man of the earth. Like he's a hunter, fisher gatherer man who's like kind of very um, Ron Swanson or Dwight Fruits <laughs> family vibes out in okay. the boonies. Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. Oh, okay. Not so much in the boonies, but. <laughs> and he goes, I fish the fish and I cull the deer. That is his quote in this article where they're like, what do you do? He's like, I fish the fish, I cull the deer. So I'm constantly asking Sarah if she fishes the fish or culls the deer. Which but the- yesterday we did fish the fish, to be clear. Yes. Sarah's daughter caught a large salmon. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Impressive. But this tea with this – and this is like the people who own Clifford the Big Red Dog, Magic School Bus, like all of these huge freaking franchises. That's a lot of money. I mean it was his ex-wife and and their two children, um, Reese and and Ben, uh, who he did not leave anything to. He left it to his um, dearest friend and partner. But wasn't he with the ex-wife when he died? That was the other part of this. Yeah, I mean, his whole family was still like, yeah, he was like quarantining with her, um, with his ex-wife. And like, yeah, I just, it was just wild. We will keep everyone updated on the hot tea, the hot goss of the Scholastic franchise, because I need to know, I I can't wait for like the Hulu reenactment of this uh, drama. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you that, yeah, it was just, the Wall Street Journal article was the one that, um, Okay, before we get into this film, I just want to give everybody at home a taste for Lindsay Lohan's career at this time, because I just looked at her IMDb and I cannot believe. Listen to this. First of all, I want to note the most important part of her IMDb, which is that her very first credit was in 1992, and it was on the Late Night with David Letterman show, and she was trick-or-treater dressed as garbage. (laughs) 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 Which I identify with. Uh, (laughs) We will be posting a picture oh of this God. on our social media um, because, look, you can go from garbage to whatever Lindsay Lohan is now. I don't want to. 
Okay. So after that, she was in the Sesame Street. So clearly, you know, she kind of worked her way up. But she went from the parent trap to get a clue to Freaky Friday to uh, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, which she did all of the music videos and she sang all those songs on there with a band called Lilix, I believe. Maybe she was part of that band for a while. Then she was in fucking Mean Girls. I then know. she And then in addition to making all these cameos on King of the Hill, that 70s show, like literally she was everywhere. She was in Herbie Fully Loaded. Oh um, my she God, was I in, forgot about that. But then she kind of like went off, not off the radar, but started getting into some stuff. She kind of didn't become the, the darling that she was for a little bit. Um, and of course, went into A Prairie Home Companion, um, later went on to do a little bit of Ugly Betty. So she, we, we don't see her in a lot of stuff. Like she was in a lot of things like, uh, wasn't she in I Know Who Killed Me or something? Like she was that? in Scary Movie 5 with, um, what's his name? Winning, what's his name? Oh, uh, Charlie Sheen. That one. She was in Scary Movie yeah. 5 with Charlie Sheen. Oh, mm, yeah. They were around the same level of mm, around then. Yep, mm. 2013. Um, I think my favorite is Mean Girls, like out of all of them. Like Mean Girls is – or Parent Trap. I mean Parent Trap Parent Trap is a classic. I have Parent Trap number one, Mean Girls number two, I think, for me. What What were your favorite Lindsay Lohan films around this time, y'all? I'm trying to decide. Pro- mean Girls is just like – you got to respect it, even if you don't yeah. like it. Because, like, to, to this day, I, I, every week I hear someone quote Mean Girls somehow. Oh, my God. And men as well. Like, it's universal. Yeah. Like, Everyone everybody quotes it. Mean Girls. Yeah. I mean, I thought I really liked – it's so hard. I feel like the just, like, her first – Six years were just brilliant. Like I mean, and Freaky Friday was so great too. All Freaky of them were so honestly. I loved Life Size also. Like I just oh, thought that the concept was just say. fascinating. Yeah, the Parent Trap was just like iconic, and I loved the original Parent Trap. It was one of my mom's favorite films from like the sixties, and and like we watched that one all the time. And I remember my mom teaching me how um, the original Parent Trap wasn't actually twins, and the camera work that they did, and the movie magic. And then the um, Mary Kane Ashley Olsen It Takes Two came out, which was oh kind gosh. of like the remake of the Parent Trap, but it wasn't the Parent Trap, and that you know were obviously twins. So then when the Parent Trap with 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 Lindsay Lohan came out, I was just like, I know how this works. This is movie magic. And I remember from the original that I'd like watch them side by side and see how like movies got better and stuff. So like that one was like, just will forever live in my heart. I think I want to change my number one to life size because the music video. (laughs) Shine bright, shine far. I mean like iconic Tyra Banks. What's the, um, was it Tyra Banks? Yes. Yeah. Eve's great, no matter where she goes. I think one of my favorite gifts is Tyra Banks typing on typing. the computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Lizzie Lohan, she she deserves the world. She gave us such good quality films of that era. And I just, I really feel like she just, I don't know. She just, I, I just feel like she didn't have the right people around her. I really hope she got to keep her clothes from this. I hope that was in her contract, that she got to keep every outfit from this film. Those cherry, like, tight pants, I swear, (laughs) those, like, tight pants with, like, bold prints that were colorful were everywhere. And I remember because I had two pairs of Capri pants, one were blue flowers and one were pink flowers. And, like, I remember, like, I either got them right after seeing this or, or... before it and it must have been before and then I and and I was like oh my god I have those like I'm as like 
rich as she is. And I really wasn't. But anyways, long story short, just like those tight, 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 like practically spandex, no pockets, pants that were like smooth. I just like, I don't know. That was just like early 2000s fashion right You'd there. be hard pressed to find a pocket in this film, but a lot of feather boa. If you need a feather boa. A lot of bags. A lot oh of my bags. God, so many bags. My first note is song slaps because we start out with the most iconic song ever written. Get a clue. And then all of my notes truly, because I was genuinely kind of interested in the mystery being solved or just like the fashion. It's Che, cute, iconic, Brenda song, fashion, fashion, limited to aesthetic. Like I wouldn't, for anybody who is maybe younger or older and listening to this, you have to understand that this is such an accurate, it's not over-exaggerated. This is an accurate depiction of what was cool in this era. Like yeah, this is truly everything that I owned was in this film. I owned many of the the tops, the the pants, the, the plastic binder. Do you guys remember those frosted plastic mm-hmm. binders that had the color on the side? The pens with the like feathers. I mean, such a the aesthetics of this film. I mean, iconic. What an iconic film. Gwen, thank you for <laughs> blessing this back into my life. <laughs> what was your favorite part? It doesn't have to be like a plot part or like a moment, but like it could be like, you know, the fashion or whatever of the film, Gwen. Honestly, like the the part that always gets me is like revisiting that camera part where they put they put in the camera and it's this massive thing, right? And then I think Brenda's like, they're, she's going to notice. And then they grab like this tiny plant and put it in front of the camera. And then they're like, there, that's totally fine. I'm like, it's obviously not. But then the best part is they're, 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 like, they're like eating chips or something, watching the computer and somehow wirelessly this camera sending a feed. And then the lady comes in and she starts doing like an exercise tape. Do you remember that part? <laughs> yes. and, then, and then Brenda just starts like, oh, I love this one. And she starts like mimicking her. And <laughs> that sense of humor. Oh my God. Brenda's song. Literally a majority of my notes for this are Brenda's song is a cultural icon. Yes, like, yes. Like representation, first of all, she was the only Asian person that was on television around this time. Like, and she was so good. Like she always stood out in every single, she never really got a leading role. She was in, was she in Sweet Life? I feel like yeah, she was she in was Sweet Life. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, you know what? We need a, we need a Brenda song vehicle yesterday. Why was Brenda song never the lead in a Disney Channel movie? She was in that Snow in Los Angeles movie. She was literally in everything. I will say, though, she did recently. Um, she was the main character in this movie called Secret Obsession that came out in 2019 that I just saw. And wow, that was such an interesting film. It's kind of a scary one. Not like super scary, but I say that for Chloe. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but like she was she was the main character and she was just like really phenomenal in that film. I'm going to start a change.org petition to make Brenda Song the new James Bond. There's this new series called Doll. Well, I don't know if it's new. I saw it maybe like a year or two ago, Dollface. It has, um, oh, who's the main character in, have you ever seen Two Broke Girls? Yes. Kat Dunnings? Yes, yes. So it's got, it's got um, Kat Dennings. It has Lindsay Lohan. It has Shay Mitchell. Not Lindsay Lohan. Brenda Song, Shay Mitchell, and someone else. But And Brenda in that is like amazing too. And I'm like, well, there should be more of a focus on her in the series. But if you haven't seen it, it's pretty cool. It's about like a breakup and like how, you know, you you sort of maneuver that. Um, yeah, I've always been a fan of her. And and, and I just love how I, how just naturally funny she can be. 
in like a kids in a kids movie, right? Well, I guess teen. She always came off. So we just watched Newsies a couple weeks ago, Gwen, and I sent a, actually in in our DM thread with Amy. Shout out to Amy Shapiro, who was on our Newsies episode. I said Max Casella has literally been a forty five year old man his whole life, and I very much feel that way about Brenda's song. That the way she conducted herself and was like speaking was very much like an adult like yeah, I was like she's so always. funny she can deliver a joke she she knows she gets it she really gets it and we watch some of these like are you afraid of the dark back and the kids are like hey the clown like they're reading lines but I always believed Brenda Sog. she's just so charismatic and wonderful and like I feel like if she came into an interview she'd get the job every time mm-hmm. and in this film she had character growth that was totally totally believable like I like it was it was short it was fast it was like you know very not super deep characters but still like she started out just caring about you know the fashion and just having fun and being rich and whatever and then you know she kind of goes into this you know whole spy thing and starts to get interested but she doesn't ever lose herself and I just like it was actually totally believable because she's just a phenomenal actress I forgot she was in the social network. Oh. Yes. She has like the iconic line in the social network about the Facebook. Oh my gosh. The Facebook. We stand. This is a Brenda song. We're changing the pot. It's just a Brenda song. Also, she's a recent like new mom, right? Yes, 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 yes. Because remember, Chloe, she's a recent mother to her son who was born in 2021, April, because the dad is Macaulay Culkin. Oh my god, what? Yes. Do you not know this? They've been dating for a while, right? Ma'am. I'm shook. I'm Are they shook married? My They've been dating since 2017. Uh, I'm pretty sure we shared some Insta DMs on this because it okay. was because like they've been dating since 2017, but it also wasn't really well known until she posted like a pregnancy picture or something and, and with Macaulay Culkin. And they're like Wait. expecting. And we, the whole world was shook. The whole world was like, okay. what? I think I must have thought that I dreamed that because I was so shook to my <laughs> core. But I'm now realizing that I very much felt the same about Macaulay Culkin on camera, that he was like an a, an older – like, remember him and Uncle Buck and in Home Alone? He just was so funny and he knew how to deliver a line. I bet they met at an audition. I would love to know how they met. Shout, reach us to Macaulay. We would love to know. Yeah, Brenda. <laughs> Brenda Culkin, please reach out. Come on the show. We love you. I'm trying to see what what other notes I have here. So I have uh, just truly all my notes are like, I had that. I had that. I had that phone. I had, I think I watched this film. And when my parents that year were like, what do you want for Christmas? I was like, I want this phone. I want this binder. I want this locker accessory. Truly the aesthetics of this film. I mean, I, so I didn't really discover tech until college, um, which I felt was pretty early, (laughs) but uh Like, I didn't really have anything like that when I was a kid either. And I, looking back on it now, I absolutely loved the subtleties of the mystery solving with the tech. So like, like in, like, let's go back to like, what is actually happening in this film, right? So basically, um, uh, um, Lexi Gold, right, writes this article saying, oh, I think that my two, my two teachers are dating. And it actually gets published in like an actual public newspaper, right? It's not just with the school, with the school newspaper. And so that starts this whole chain of events where the, the male teacher that she was writing about was actually running away from 
the law kind of basically he used to work at a bank and he was framed for embezzling like I don't know a million dollars or something and so he ran away and kind of like changed his name and and is in hiding which is a lot easier in you know the early 2000s when the internet's not really a thing um and people like okay so you know you don't really get, get pictures taken of you and he never ever had a picture taken of him and she not only wrote this article about him but also got a picture of him and so then like this guy who you find out spoiler alert framed him um uh who was his old boss kind of comes back to find him and be like you know give me my money back and whatever long story short um that's what happens but but another side plot is that the main protagonist boy in the film who's played by um by bug hall uh he's a poor he's a poor poor. from brooklyn and he was given (laughs) a computer by the by the teacher but it's so fascinating because he opens up the email application on the computer and there's like sent emails like the inbox is empty but there's sent emails yeah and and the email signature is np and so then they find out that there's this whole hidden identity thing and i was just like you know what that is actually so realistic so believable and so clever to think that they were like using the technology of that day to like i don't know i just thought it was brilliant yeah you know what scene that reminds me of when he when they're looking up like they go to investigate something with the computer and they're like, let's see who it's registered to. And they go into like system information or something like that. And it says like some random processor name totally made up. And it's like six megs of Ram or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. This this was like my first time, like, honestly, probably never thought about this since get a clue until I got into tech of like knowing that those capabilities are possible. I think maybe before this movie, I thought, oh, emails just go back and forth to each other. But this was the first time it got me thinking about the backend technology of like, oh, if someone sends an email, there's like some sort of number or serial associated to it. Like not being around that, I had no idea. So really like shout out to Get a Clue for teaching us about tech early on. We love you. Um, Also the sister's spy lab, like a dream. Oh, yeah, yeah iconic my mom bought all of my five cousins and I those glasses they're actually so the glasses that the sister is wearing at the dinner table they look a lot cooler than they are they're just glasses that have a flashlight on either side so they're really good for like walking outside and walking your dog or something honestly would buy a pair now pretty uh pretty cool looking glasses but my mom bought those for me and all my five cousins we like wore them all around the house and like go into the closet and stuff. And I felt like a freaking spy with those on. And also I want to mention my favorite Burger King toy ever was the spy toy from Men in Black where it was like, remember in Men in Black, there was like that device. It was like a little technology stick that they'd press and everyone would forget what happened. Like went after that specifically. So like picture me wearing those glasses and just walking around to my parents being like, you will forget everything. Like, Oh, you were the coolest. You're the coolest. I was an only child. I had a lot of friends. So funny that we're talking about these spy toys because I remember, you know, I I still have all my McDonald's toys. I still have all my Burger King toys because I'm a hoarder. And I always wanted like the watch that opened up and had a compass in it or like something that would record my voice or like I wanted the spy toys more than anything out of them. Like, because you would go for anybody nowadays because they're getting rid of the toys soon. You would go and you wouldn't know what toy you were going to get. It was like one of these eight toys will be in your McDonald's Happy Meal, which is like- Yeah, wait, wait, wait. You totally- Wait, 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 wait. You totally just went over something super quick that Gwen and I are really concerned about. 
what do you mean they're getting rid of the toys? Yeah, why oh, is yeah. this? They didn't ask There was like an article that I read recently that was like, they're like nixing the toys. Why? It's like I the best know. part. Well, <laughs> see, you know, I maybe I'm just not as phased by this because I got really upset when, remember when like Burger King had, there was the toys you get in your Happy Meal and then there were like the toys you could pay for. I had like a, a, a gold Togepi Pokemon card and like the men in black glasses that you could like buy. I was very cool. Again, you guys, there were like the Buzz and Woody that were full size. So like I mourned this loss when the big toys were removed from the roster. Now I'm just like, now I don't want apple slices. Give me the toys. I guess I will say Ayla gets um, McDonald's Happy Meals and she kind of could, couldn't care less about the toys. They used to be better, though, the toys. Yeah, they used to be a lot better. You could full-on, like, video games before, remember? Yeah. And now it's just like, oh, some random thing. And they got smart with gamifying it. There was, like, the birthday thing where they had all the different characters from all the different mm-hmm. franchises that were, like, a oh, train, and they'd all yeah. connect together. Like, mm-hmm. the ones from Hook, I remember. Like, they had inflatables. Those were really popular back then. I had, like, a Pinocchio inflatable. So, I, it's an end of an era. I, I truly just, I think it's, like, a health thing at this point. I think my favorite toys from mcdonald's were the mcnuggets the um the like food the halloween the halloween mcnuggets yes the food that like transformed and then the barbies i have all of them we will do an episode on all of them i truly i'm gonna make so many millions of dollars but we have to do an episode when we're gonna be in person because i need to like play with them i'm gonna have to travel with like cia around me these are like mm-hmm. these are worth billions collectibles <laughs> collectible y'all i really need these um these halloween mcnuggets right now i'm gonna have there to- are <laughs> a lot of etsy and maybe this is just the aesthetic that i follow on instagram accounts of little earrings of the halloween mcdonald's buckets like it's become a whole nostalgia thing in this era where like people are making like merch and enamel pins and stuff with the like mcdonald's halloween buckets and it, i love to see it come back because when i think of halloween i think of mcdonald's like i think of all the mcdonald's halloween stuff because i ate so much mcdonald's I had my birthday at McDonald's when I turned four. I love saying. that for you. I I mean, iconic. Um, speaking of things that are iconic, I so Gwen, you you mentioned the purses in this film. And I took <laughs> note of one of the purses, which was there was okay, so caboodles were obviously a thing, but then there was like these kind of generic clear boxes that were square, and I own one. It's in my office right now. I keep craft supplies in it. They were transparent boxes that had a little latch on the front. Often they locked, so it could be like a little private stash of, I don't know, what were we putting in there? Like quarters. Um, And you open it up, and you can – it was all see-through, so everyone could see your crap, you know, put your nail polish in there, whatever. But the purses – I mean, like all of these containers, for anybody watching this who who wasn't around for this era or wasn't aware of the fashion, it's not – an exaggeration. Like, I watch things like Clueless and I watch stuff like that and I'm like, oh, they're playing it up. And I'm like, no, this is literally what we had. <laughs> I mean, if you if you want, if you want to really know, just like search for a um, oh gosh, now I'm blinking. What is her name? Not Brenda Song, but the other one who was on on Sweet Life. 
Ashley Tisdale. Thank you. Just search for Ash Ashley Tisdale on the red par- carpet in early 2000s. I would just like to point out that I have been debugging a problem for four hours today in code. And when you asked me who was the lead of Sweet Life and Zach and Cody, I immediately answered. And that's why, because my brain is only full of this information. Um, I only watch garbage, as Gwen and I know. <laughs> I watch a lot of trash. <laughs> I watch a lot of trash. For anybody, uh, I highly, highly recommend we will share links and details in the chat. But Gwen and I do a show called How Can I Help, where we help people with uh, job stuff. And the other day, someone very kind commented and said, wow, Chloe, you're so well-spoken and smart. I would love to know what books you read. And I literally answered, I only watch and listen to trash. You must have mistaken me for a smart person. Uh, shout out to Real Housewives and 90 Day Fiance. But anyway, um, I also, okay, my only I only had like one issue. So typically, Gwen, when we watch these shows, we notice a lot of questionable and problematic gender dynamics and a lot of homophobia, which, you know, we are not a fan of on this pod. But I did have one moment that made me cringe. And that was when Brenda Song was hanging out with Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan and was like, ooh, he likes you. He was nagging you. Like, essentially, she was just like, I can. And she's like, no, he doesn't like me. And she's like, he was being a jerk to you. Can't you tell? And I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, run, run. <laughs> Um, also, again, as we mentioned earlier in the film, um, there is a lot of like, the, a big part of the plot is the wealth discrepancy between everybody going to this private school and our, uh, and this man, as we keep saying, he's poor, he's poor. We're not saying that to be mean. That's literally what the script is like. It's like, you're poor. Like it's, it's very, very, very much spelled out. Um, but I think that there's like a, a very interesting commentary on privilege here. And I think that was a good thing to acknowledge. And it was a really interesting character trait because Lindsay, you know, all of the jokes about, oh my God, we've never been to Brooklyn. Like it was very, (laughs) you know, Upper East Side. Um, And I didn't remember that part of the film, which was really interesting. And like his mom was a working mom. Like I even wrote that in there. Like, you know, his mom doesn't, like she she works the night shift so she kind of like cooks during the day and and she was kind of still there for him but he was but she's a working mom she and, fed them and his, lemon bars they looked delicious yeah yeah and just kind of the fact that she is a working mom and yet still a more seemingly more present parent than Lindsay Lohan's character's parents were you know and like they seem to be I think they were like worked in movies or something but anyways like like they were working but also just kind of like that stereotypical rich parents where they don't really do anything for a lot of the day and then they'll kind of go and, you know, be gone for a month. I did write the note, we stand a smart, cool dad, because he did give her some good literary, I think he was a writer. And that's like that's what it is. He was a journalist. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. why I was so strange about her getting the article in there. And I thought there were two moments at the beginning, and maybe this happens one more time in the film, where the dad was like, oh, so like any good journalist wants to blah, blah, blah. And I thought like, this is interesting because typically in these films, the dads are the, the kind of evil guy. Like we just watched Johnny Tsunami where the dad was the reason that he moved and was like really strict and so he he runs away and I thought that was really cool to have like a positive male figure among these trash like swindlers and uh also did those teachers get fired because they were like dating (laughs) like is that legal I don't know no you can totally date if you're a teacher as long as he's not the principal or something probably that's that's kosher yeah okay (laughs) but also sorry um breaking news from June of 2020 Bug Hall was arrested for allegedly huffing air duster, which I don't even understand what that sentence means. Bug! I mean, when your name's Bug. But also Bug! Wow. 
disappointing. That, wait, that's his like real name or is it like a stage? No, that's name? his real name. Well, I mean, he was born Brandon, but like he really does like bug. Wait, what was he arrested for, Sarah? Can you repeat it? <laughs> um, huffing air duster. I don't even know what that is, is. Is that a popper? Is that like poppers? Did he just get caught doing pop- poppers publicly? I don't know. I don't know what poppers are. Well, we won't get into that on this show. <laughs> <laughs> if you come to San Francisco, I'll point them out in the street to you. It said he he received a possession charge for use to inhale or ingest a volatile chemical. Okay, like like laughing gas. I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm so confused. And how do you get? Know. Oh, maybe they found him on him. Interesting. It was because several several folks reported the incident claimed that there was some someone by the dumpster huffing. Oh. Don't do drugs. Damn. Damn. And just looking at his account, his IMDb account, he was on CSI, crime scene investigation, major crimes. He should have known better. He wasn't get a clue. Right? <laughs> you gotta hide better, bug. Come on, bug. One of the weirder sentences I've said this week. Um CSI New York. I mean, I mean New York actors. Everybody's been on CSI, but like you should know better. You are on cold case, sir. You are on strong medicine. Bug. And then it had only been three years since you married the love of your life. I just bug. Come on. I'm just imagining like his name being Bug and him going into like a little rascals audition and just how perfect that is. Like your name yeah. is Bug. It's meant for you. <laughs> <laughs> that was his first film in '94. Thing. Goodness, goodness. I just realized where I also recognize Bug from. Mm. He was Adam Zielinski in Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, which is the third installment of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. He was a little BB. Like, he plays young preteen Adam Zielinski, the lead kind of kid character in that who, you know, in the other ones has a girlfriend and they get picked up in the car and everything like that. He he was in that. Like, he, this is a child actor, truly. Oh, so the huffing makes oh, sense then. Makes sense. What? Yeah, we've gone full circle. <laughs> oh, oh, from our beginning. Yeah. If he's a child actor, then then yes. then that's that's the that's, struggle. The struggle. The struggle. Sad. I hope he gets help. That's the oh, sad. Bug, we love you, Bug. We wish you recovery. Um. <sighs> Bug. Okay, there's one other parent that I need to go on which is a common trope that happens in films and TV that I absolutely hate. Um, And if you're not on the like parent TikTok algorithm, then uh, uh, you may not know it, but it's a very common thing that gets talked about. It's called weaponized incompetence, um, which is basically when often men in heterosexual relationships, oftentimes fathers, will say like, oh, but you do such a better job doing the dishes. I don't know how. I'm just going to mess it up. And so basically they weaponize their incompetence so that they don't have to do things that they don't want to do. And some are a little bit more like doing that on purpose. And some are like just kind of basically raised that way by society, their parents, whatever. Anyways, I'm not going to get too much into that rant. But the but the rant that I want to get into a little bit is this common trope where when the dad is the one who is alone with the kids, all chaos breaks loose, or the kids just get to do whatever they want. And in this film, the mom goes on a business trip at the beginning of the film. And so the dad is the one watching them. And like, that's that like gets played up a couple of times, right? Where they're like, um, I don't know, it was like, they needed to like order pizza or something. And 
I don't even remember the specifics, but basically the dad's just like clueless. He's just like, I don't know what's going on. You are kids. You're alive. The clue, man. Right? Like that's what it should have been. I think that's the moral of this film is dad, get a clue. Get a clue. (laughs) Come on. Because I just, I hate that trope because I just feel like it, it undermines what men could do and makes you look completely incompetent and also just kind of continues that trope that if mom's not here, anything can happen. And I'm just like, I don't know. It makes me angry. Side, side note, I pulled up, uh, some pictures of Brenda and she does not age. He looks like amazing. He does. She's been taking a magic youth elixir. She looks exactly the same. Gorgeous. That's not plastic surgery. That's just, just but she, she doesn't age, but she also does not look like a child. Like she is just gorgeous. Yeah. Stunning. We we have to change the name of our pod. Yeah. We're changed. We're pivoting. This is a Brenda song catalog <laughs> pod. Um, okay. I don't have a lot more notes here. I put um, messy buns. Was a big fan of the like two buns at the top of the head. They're not quite Princess Leia buns. It's like very thin haired buns that just had a lot of like random colors coming out of them. Such a fan of the hair and the fashion in this. And um, there was something. So towards the end, I did watch this with my mom. I did try to get Ayla to watch a little bit. And then she was just like, I don't, whatever. I'm not about I'm over it. Yeah. So I don't have an Ayla Taka today, but I do have an Ayla's grandma's um, Taka. That doesn't make any sense. Um, there was like this tiny little line in there that said something like, oh, well, um, like I might get it on Geraldo. And I was just like, I didn't even register it. Yes, there were a lot of jokes for the parents. <laughs> yeah, and my mom was just like, oh my God, Geraldo. And I was like, what? And she she didn't do it that loud. Um, but she was just basically like, yeah, that was like one of the first of these like news shows where it was just kind of a little bit more dramatic and whatever. And um, she was just like super, super happy about that. So you have to do it in the accent. You have to be the way that Bug did it. Hey, Gabe. I'm sorry that Diane aired the story before you did. Yeah, it's okay. I got to call it to Geraldo. Like he was, everybody had such great New York accents in this film, which mm-hmm. I loved. Like the the teacher, oh my God, Miss, Miss, what's her name? Miss Henderson or whatever her name was. She's got this very, you know, New York accent. Like she's just very. Well, as you all know, we've had a bit of a crisis in our school. Mr. Walk. <clears throat> Mr. Walker, <clears throat> nonetheless, classes will continue for the time being. Such a New Yorker. And Bugs' New York accent was really great. He's like, oh, like, Geraldo Rivera. Like, it's very... Oh, no, that detective thinks that Miss Dawson has something to do with Mr. Walker's disappearance, and it's all my fault. Don't flatter yourself. She's a lead suspect, even without your big mouth. The only thing that woman is guilty of is loving him. That's definitely a crime. Why can't you just tell it like it is? She threatened him yesterday. We both heard it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I love a young child with a New York accent. I, they have a special place in my art. It was, a, yeah, it was in 1987 to 98, um, like, tabloid talk show called, and it was hosted by Geraldo Rivera, but, like, the Geraldo Rivera show, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it was just kind of, like, I think it was, like, one of the very – um, like he, he talked about like pretty controversial things. So some of them were just kind of like, oh, what's happening in the world? Um, but he talked about like white supremacy and he talked about KKK members. Wow. Yeah. I felt like this movie locked 
so that Gossip Girl could run. Because I just felt like it was just kind of like that that New York elites, you know, walking around, like thinking they own the town, kind of doing whatever they want, talking about teachers, publishing it, thinking it's not a big deal, turning out that like now someone's going to come murder this man. And like, I don't know, I just thought it was... This is going to come as a shock. I have never seen Gossip Girl. Oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, it's like <laughs> ridiculous and horrible. Like, it's horrible, but I love it. Um, but I did want to ask you, Gwen. I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. As someone who now has lived in New York for, what is it, two months? Yeah, about. Is this what New York is really like? That's what I want to know. Like, is this yes. fashion? Is this like drama? Does Spy Shop on the Corner exist? I love that Spy Shop on the Corner is called Spy Shop. When, when you're like, 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 have you ever found a camera? Oh, I hope you've never found a camera behind a tiny plant. But like, is this, is this true New York? As a West Coaster, I just don't know. Definitely not. I, I could <laughs> immediately tell like this was not filmed here at all. Like, I, I was like, especially, especially the part where it's like, oh, we're going to Brooklyn. And then oh the, this like some random neighborhood. I'm like, this is. It looked like Philly. It looked like <laughs> yeah. Cleveland or something. I was like, these are some big houses and there's front lawns. This is not Brooklyn. Definitely, definitely not. Um, I mean, I guess you it, when you're a kid, you don't really know any better. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's New York. Everyone's dressed this way. And everyone has, looks like they're, you know, have like a million dollars or something like that and everyone has like phones and, and, and they stick out and all that kind of stuff yeah. and then also that scene when they're entering the school and it's like it's, yes the establishing school shot was the fashion yeah it was like a red carpet kind of thing i was like what yeah. is this like and again that's probably why it like stuck out to me like oh i want to be that cool when i grow up right and i'm like this is not who wants no one wants that here no one like the last thing you want in new york is to be surrounded by more people yeah. yeah. I was literally walking in San Francisco yesterday and I had a moment like this, you guys, because I walked by the University of Art and all these design students were walking out and they're like collared like Tinsley Mortimer shirts and like with a little pussy bow and everything. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing a runway here. So when I watched <laughs> this, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is going to clue in her life. Like <laughs> I'm living the dream. I I did have like an internship where one of my teammates, it was like a software developer internship where one of my teammates, she was from a university in New York and she came almost every day in heels. And it wasn't because she was like trying to be dressed up or anything. She was just like, no, this is just what I'm comfortable wearing. Like, that's pretty much what I wear around, you know, the the university all the time. That's like kind of like the the traditional like style. And she was saying how like she's... she would never recognize her professors outside of school because her professors in school like wear suits or like, you know, button downs and like look really put together. Mm -hmm. And so if she sees them like at the supermarket and they're just in normal clothes, she's just like, I don't recognize them. And I was just laughing. Like, are you a poor? Because I am 100% a poor because like (laughs) in San Diego, my professors wore like flip flops and um, cargo shorts and uh, it, like maybe brushed their hair like I don't know it was just not the same what is with Disney movies like shitting on people who work in bowling alleys like I feel like that was always <laughs> like you work in the back of a bowling alley like why was that a thing like bowling is I mean I don't feel like nerds did bowling but because of the Disney propaganda I was like I mean I was on a bowling league you're a nerd you live in the back of a bowling alley Sarah. <laughs> I 100% wanted to I was legit on a bowling league as a kid she was like don't you wear shoes that other people have 
boob of worn. Like, I just feel like everything was, like, your pup of poor, and you wear other people's sh- 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 shoes. Like, and I loved, like, all of her little things where she's, like, a tray chic. I totally wear that. Like, she was such a Upper East Side Lindsay Lohan. I love it. <laughs> Besides, how can you tell a Pomoni suit from across the room anyway? Trust me, I can spot a knockoff from a mile away. And that was the real thing. Same with the watch, the best. Fine platinum band with 18 karat accents and mother of pearl dials that allow you to check the time in any two time zones simultaneously. It's the ultimate in chic. Just call it my New York sensibility hard at work. What a film. Oh. What a film. Any final thoughts? I mean, we don't really need to get into how the, it gets solved. There's an embezzling, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's involved. No, I'm just kidding. But there's like a diamond, <laughs> a canary diamond that's like worth $10,000, which inflation, I guess, would be. That the teacher's mom, no, it was $10 million. And the teacher's mom came to visit him at the bank one day when he used to work at the bank and basically found it and was like, what is this? And everyone was like, I don't know. And so she just took it. And it turned out that that his boss had embezzled the money to purchase this diamond and was like basically hiding the money in the diamond. And so that's why he was after her because he just wanted the diamond. Had never learned about embezzling before this uh, film. I will say that for Disney movies, it had like a darker twist to it than yeah. most, right? And it was it came off a lot more mature. Maybe it's probably why it like stuck out so much. But yeah, like yeah, it it definitely had like a darker tone to it than what I was used to watching. Starting with a scandal like that, uh-huh. two teachers getting sexy together. I mean, gosh. No, it did. It definitely, and it had like that's what I meant. Like it had just a very real plot. Like a twist at the end, you didn't really know where it was going. You didn't know who was someone to be trusted or not. And like, yeah, it was still like Disney-like, but I don't know. It, it did have like a decent plot. Yeah, it wasn't complete trash. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think typically with those Disney Channel original movies, we could always – like. You know, you watch 13th year and you're like, he's not going to die. Like, you know what I mean? Or like Smart House is like, <laughs> the house isn't going to kill this family. Like, we all knew that it would get resolved in the end. And I think truly that's what made this a really memorable film and why I think I enjoyed it so much with, Like when I used to watch it. Because I, I must have seen this film like 10 plus times as a kid. Like, it was on all the time. And the, uh, the song, the song was on all the time. So I was always just being reminded of this film. It was always in my subconscious. And it was one of the only – because even with um, most across it was like yeah they're gonna get together at the end like there's no oh my gosh memory unlocked yeah like and it's not like oh it's not like this kid is gonna turn into a leprechaun at the end like we always knew there was gonna be some kind of resolution and this was really one of probably one of the only ones i can think of with maybe the exception of some of the true story ones like double teamed and stuff like that where it wasn't a super predictable outcome it was refreshing it was refreshing yeah yeah well that was just a phenomenal time down memory lane and so many, <laughs> so many side channels to go down. Um, but this was truly lovely to discuss this film with you both. Um, thank you so much, Gwen, for, for, for bringing it back to us and, and chatting about it with us today. But is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about um, where they can find you, any projects you're working on? Yeah, Gwen, are you working on like a cool project with, oh my God, me? <laughs> yeah with, with with chloe we're now like graphic designers audio engineers we're, we do it all video editors and things like that we have a uh a, sh- a show is it a show series what are we calling it is it uh a... call it a series yeah a, a limited series, series. <laughs> yeah how, how 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 can i help where we're covering this month we're doing 
resumes and cover letters. Next month we're doing, you know, once you actually land a, an interview, like what to do with, like on your on-site, on your phone screen, all those kinds of things. Uh, super casual vibes, but we're trying to, you know, help out and, and share some career info. So there'll be a link somewhere to yep. that, right? In the show notes yeah. of that. You can go to aka.ms slash how can I help the letter U and you'll get linked over to the YouTube and follow Gwen on YouTube. Amazing yep. YouTube. We'll put all your links. All right. Fantastic. YouTube. Uh, I'm like, I'm on the Twitters, the Instagrams, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I try to keep it more like not just tech. It's more like whatever I'm doing, share. So, you know, come hang out. While I do random live streams too. So, you know, remember live, come hang out. Uh, besides that, this was a blast. It was nice to watch a movie where I did, you know, you know, whenever I watch a movie now, it's like, I feel like it has to have a purpose. Yeah. Like now it's like, oh, I just watched this, like unlocked a bunch of memories. And then it was, it was trash, but it was great. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> good so trash. Great. We only trash. consume good trash here. Glenn. Absolutely. <laughs> we have standards for our trash. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you on our next pod. Bye everyone. Get out, girl. is not endorsed by the companies featured in this episode or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. Mix and Master by Dr. G. Our theme song is Keep Me Entertained by Maddie McGuire. Salute Your Squirts is recorded in front of a live house plant and in a shed and is not produced in Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. And now a segment from Scholastic Theater. Reese Robinson, who has done documentary work, said he tried to be involved with, the, with Scholastic, but hasn't worked there full time. I saw myself as an advisor, he said. I didn't want to sacrifice my early 20s to work at a corporation. His brother, Ben, said he operates a sawmill and workshop that produces lumber, flooring, and furniture from trees in Martha's Vineyard and lives off the land, noting in an email, I fish the fish and cull the deer. He also describes himself as a writer and the poet laureate who hasn't told his story yet. I also call myself that. <laughs> we should all. I'm we the Bill all. Gates who hasn't invented Microsoft yet. That's what I tell people. <laughs> yeah.